Hello, welcome to the first episode of the Field Study Podcast with me, Joseph Thurbin. This is the place for outdoor adventures in the great British countryside. So sit back and relax as I take you on a walk in the dead of the night, hoping to catch a glimpse of a meteor shower. Stay tuned. It's nearly two o'clock in the morning and I'm leaving the relative comfort of my own house and stepping out into the uh, wintry night of the village in search of one of the greatest spectacles that the UK has to offer. Now I'm going on a walk a few miles down the road to a very special spot to see if I can catch the tail end of the meteor shower. There's going to be clear skies for about two hours um, and then there's going to be sheets of blanketing cloud coming in and rain setting in for the next week. So if I see a shooting star tonight, I shall be very happy because it will probably be the only one that I see from this meteor shower. We've been blessed with quite a clear sky at the moment. Uh, it's got a beautiful sort of midnight blue quink sort of tinge to it with the pinpricks of light from the stars and a really cutting silver moon that's casting long shadows. It's beautiful. It's so bright you can walk by it. Haven't needed a torch. But this next part of the journey leads me into an ancient hollow way. So a dip or a fold in the ground which human beings have used to drive their sheep and get from village to village from for thousands of years. Hollow ways are truly magical places, especially if you experience them at night. If you walk down them, the, the sides are lined with shadows that twist and move and the roots of trees. It's a really atmospheric place. So I can sort of see the tunnel of trees stretching out before me, like a giant cathedral or passageway. And the trees are so thick on each side that the only way that I can see the night sky is when I look straight up and see the, uh, the stars move between the bare limbs of the trees. The wind's getting up now. It's been a really, really wet couple of weeks. Rather hard to do any filming for the YouTube channel or anything like this, so I've been given a brief weather window and I'm seizing it with both hands. And I have to say, I'm very glad I've done so. This is beautiful. What a beautiful night. Now we're just coming down through some rather sticky mud uh, to a lovely brook at the bottom of this valley. And I can see the moonlight scintillating on the uh, surface of the water already. So there's a small bridge here with a structure around it um, that would have been blocked off at certain points like a sluice. Uh, so the shepherds from around here could dip and wash their sheep. Um, so yeah, it's sort of like a rudimentary sheep dip in the, in the river. Rather them than me though. Looks pretty cold at the moment. Might see if we can get the uh, permission of the landowner in the summer. To see if we can shut it off slightly and create like a little, you know, bathing pool at the bottom of it. It's only small, but it'd be nice on a hot summer's day. <laughs> I'm looking up constantly, trying not to miss a shooting star if it presents itself. Um, 
So far, absolutely nothing, but I love the shape of the trees at this time of year when you can see the bare limbs against the, the night sky. It's like a, a map of blood vessels in a lung. Just passing up and over an old disused Victorian railway line. So the place that we're currently headed up to is rather special for me. Um, my dad used to take us up there a lot when we were children. And it's a, a cluster of Bronze Age burial mounds perched high up on the downland. You can actually see them from my garden now. And I, uh, I like looking out over across to them because they, they sort of run along the crest of the hill like the bumps, like the vertebrae in a spine. <laughs> so whoever was buried there, their names are probably long lost and unpronounceable. But they obviously meant quite a lot to the people who lived here before me. The people that cleared this landscape for agriculture. Um, the people that decided that this was an excellent place to live. When the burial mounds were first made, they would have been covered with uh, chalk, so you would have been able to see them glinting in the sunlight on a summer's day uh, from anywhere in the va valley that looks up towards them. And that's always important, in my opinion, um, when you're out and about interacting with the landscape, is to show due respect to the people that have been there before, as well as the plants and organisms that are there now. Um, it's all part of one continuous string of respect or something like that. It's early in the morning, guys. <laughs> Forgive me. Oh, it's always very ominous when a cloud goes over the moon. I'm starting to see slightly less stars and slightly more cloud, uh, which I don't know, adds a little bit of jeopardy into the uh, proceedings, doesn't it? I'm absolutely determined to see a shooting star. I love hiking at night. You can know a landscape your entire life, but if you come out walking at night at different times of year, it's like being on an alien planet. You see the world anew. It's, um, it's a beautiful thing. There's sort of a culture of fear, I think, at the moment about activities at night and coming out on night hikes and experiencing it. And it's interesting because it probably comes from a part of our brain that um, evolved when we were being hunted by large predatory animals like Diana Felis, the huge big cat. I think sometimes it's important to remind ourselves of the species that we are <laughs> and the fact that here in the UK that we don't actually have any large predators. If you've never been on a night hike before or haven't done it regularly, I fully recommend it. Um, as a, a new way of getting a, an understanding of the landscape. Maybe don't do it alone. Find that one friend that um, is mad enough to wake up at one o'clock in the morning with you and come out on a walk. Those are usually the best friends anyway. And um, come out and experience it. It really is a completely different way to interact with your senses as well where sight takes a back seat, you'll find yourself noticing new smells, uh, the texture of the ground beneath your feet. Um, it really engages you with your body and your senses 
and that's a valuable thing. I think we get um, a little bit too lost in our own brains sometimes. So coming out at night and especially walking without a torch really engages uh, the part of our brain that evolved in order to be in these sort of landscapes using all of our senses. As I'm getting higher up, it's uh, getting more exposed. And you can hear the, the wind making the uh, hedges creak around me. But looking up from this vantage point, we haven't even reached the top of the hill yet, but looking down the valley to the village that I've just left with all the people tucked up in their beds, uh, the lights look like a continuation of the stars or a, a bed of embers. And I just need to see one shooting star, one meteor, and then I will be winding my way back and hopping into bed before my girlfriend and the dog even wake up for work in the morning. They'll never know. It's about 3.30 now. I've been walking for about an hour and a half. Yeah, no shooting stars, but plenty of satellites making their way across. Wow, what a difference a couple of months makes. Now, I'm currently up at the field that I filmed the, um, the field mushroom video in, uh, the Agaricus campestris video in, back in those sun-baked, uh, golden, grassy days of the end of summer. Now it's all churned up mud and hoof marks and the wind whistling through the barbed wire, beautifully bleak. So you'll be happy to hear that I just uh, waded through like three inch deep mud and uh, my shoes didn't leak. So that means they're waterproof, which is fantastic news because they are super comfortable. Uh, I've got some excellent stuff planned later on in this year. I'm going to be uh, doing a couple of long distance paths and taking you guys along with me over on the YouTube channel, sort of foraging along the way and uh, visiting some interesting things. Uh, and I cannot wait to do that and share that with you guys. So if you're not a member of our community already, firstly, welcome. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes below. Uh, so you can head over to my YouTube page. I upload videos every single week uh, about foraging, food, and the landscape. So head over there and check that out if that seems like something you'd be into. This podcast here is a, a vehicle for me to explore the other parts of the countryside and the landscape that I don't get to talk about in my videos. So coming up on this first season of the podcast, we've got lots of exciting things. Uh, night hikes like this, we've got camping trips, uh, we've got interviews with interesting people, and hopefully uh, you and I will learn lots of good stuff along the way. Um, and I can't wait to share everything with you. It's been a labor of love. I've had to teach myself a lot of new skills in order to bring it to fruition, um, but we are here and I hope you enjoy it. So. We're nearing the top of this hill now. So there they are. What a place to be buried though. It's chalk downland, so it's uh, filled with lots of downland wildflowers like field scabious and agrimony. But this field is also one of my favorite spots for picking fairy ring champignon or scotch bonnet mushrooms. Um, and the, the colonies here, the the rings of them are absolutely huge, some of them immeasurably so. Um, you can follow a line of them for ages and it just seems to curve ever so gently. So who knows how old they are? Maybe the people that buried their dead up here um, also foraged for the mushrooms. Maybe the ancestors of those fungi colonies 
fed the, the people that walked this trackway before me. It's a lovely way of thinking when you're out foraging. When you pay attention and you pick the plant, it, just like us, has a family tree and a lineage going back millions of years. So somewhere down the line, our ancestors' paths would have crossed. And when you start to think like that, time collapses. And there's, um, there's a serenity in that. So I've made it to the top of the hill and I'm, I'm sat underneath one of the burial mounds, hidden from the wind by a gorse bush. And the wind is sort of shushing through the, uh, the trees around me. And I've got about four hours until the sun rises. So I'm gonna sit here, I'm gonna put my attention in maintaining my core body temperature and not getting too cold. Um, and hopefully I should see a shooting star. So I've been waiting here for about an hour now with my eyes trained on the sky. Uh, I'm not going to lie, I almost dozed off at one point. I had to wake myself up. You can see why the summer meteor showers are more popular with photographers. Usually the high points like this on the island are, are littered with them at the, uh, the tail end of August when we get another big meteor shower come through. But funnily enough, on this cold, windy January day, I am the only person up here. Uh, <laughs> I need to start heading home soon. I looked over at another quadrant of the sky a minute ago and I am convinced, I almost convinced myself that I saw the, the tail of one of the meteorites out of the corner of my eye, but I can't be sure. So I can't count that as a win. Ah, this is a little bit frustrating, but uh, there are worse places I could be. Now I'm truly blessed to have quite dark skies here. Now I'm stood above one of the uh, one of the towns on the Isle of Wight, and even that isn't uh, outshining the stars at the moment. It truly is beautiful. It's just a waiting game. Luckily, I'm quite patient. I've been looking up at the same patch of sky for so long now that I don't even recognize the constellations anymore. It's like when you reread a word over and over again and it stops making sense. I think I've achieved the level of uh, frustration and madness. Losing it. It's a sort of romantic notion, especially here sat next to this burial mound, uh, thinking about what the stars might have meant for our ancestors. And we can mythologize and uh, over-romanticize about it, but realistically all that is is supposition. But what we do know is that, but one thing that is as true now as it was then is that the stars are uh, an extremely useful tool for us to navigate by. And in a, a later episode of this podcast, I'm going to be teaching you some of, the, uh, some of the most basic ways that you can use the stars for navigation. And using the stars for navigation is a, a discipline, it is something that needs to be practiced, and it is something that gives an immense amount of joy. Uh, when you can sort of navigate without a map, underneath a starry sky in the middle of summer, um, it is liberating. <laughs> So there are two things I wish I bought with me right now. Uh, one of them is something waterproof to sit on because my arse is a little bit wet and cold. And uh, the other one is a thermos full of coffee because my hands are numb from holding the microphone <laughs> and my caffeine levels are dwindling. 
along with my patience. Come on, stars. Oh, 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 yes. Oh, that was beautiful. Now that wasn't a big shooting star by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but it's made even more beautiful by the amount of time I've had to sit up here waiting to watch it. And with that, make a wish, everybody. And I am going home. Thank you very much for listening. Head over to the YouTube page where I do weekly videos on foraging and the landscape and the podcast will be back next week. Have an excellent week and take care. I sometimes think that might be a little bit unusual. Nah. <laughs>